ended about speaking about the covenant of love. And, and I, you know, I had been in prayer and I had been, you know, just talking with the Lord about this, about the covenant of love and what it really meant. And not many people understand that part of Jesus. You know, the religious mindset sometimes can't capture or embrace the covenant of his love. So the word covenant, it means a, an agreement. It means contract. It means a commitment. It means a guarantee. It means a promise. Um, if you want to, like, kind of break this down, because I began to break things down, and in the Greek, it's a diatholsi. A covenant between two parties is what it means. It's a set agreement having complete terms determined by the initiating party. I love that because the Lord is the one that initiates it. He initiates the covenant. And so it's determined by his initiation of the, of the covenant to us of what it looks like. And so... It says, which are fully affirmed state as a fact by the one entering into the agreement. In a Hebrew, it's called berith, B-E-R-I-T-H. It means allies or allied or a treaty that you have with somebody, a covenant. And so that's just, just as part of the teaching part. It's awesome of how you can break down the covenant. Um, as I began to really spend time with the Lord on this and just really ask him what, what it looked like. And the Lord began to tell me how it began was through the Ark of the Covenant. And I remember when I first came to know the Lord, I was raised in a religious background, and then I came to know the Lord, and the Lord began, I, I had no idea what the Lord was doing at the time, but the Lord began to walk me through what, was supposed, what it was supposed to look like through the Ark of the Covenant in the Spirit. And I had no idea it was the Ark of the Covenant. But literally, he began to show me ways to enter in past the grazing altar, past all of those things that the Ark of the Covenant represented. And I was just beginning to see at the time, and I just began to see these pictures and these images. And I remember when I would come to worship, I would go into this deep place with the Lord because all I came asking for was more of him. And I say, God, I just want more of you. I just want more of you. I want, I want understanding that you're not just this person in a book. I want the real tangible you and what you represent. I don't want just surface things because I've had that already and it's not satisfying me and it's not working for me anymore. And so I just began to, um, I remember when I first got saved, um, there was a song, I think uh, um, an old rock band used to sing and they would talk, they were singing about the Ark of the Covenant. But when I heard it, it touched my heart because it, it says in there, take me into the holies of holies past the grazing altar, and it keeps saying that you would brush my lips with the coals. And they're singing about it, and I'm sure many of you guys have heard this song over and over again. It's a very old song. But I remember hearing it, and my spirit just leaped, and I began to weep and to cry because I was like, God, 
there's a deeper place in you. There's somewhere you want to take us that I've never experienced and I've never seen. And I need to know what this is. So as time went on, I just began to discover that what he was showing me was the Ark of the Covenant. If you go to Exodus 26, I don't want to read all of it because it's a lot. If you go and read about the Ark of the Covenant, it's very detailed. Every little piece, every little thing. Now, mind you, the person who God spoke to the Ark of the Covenant about was Moses. Moses had a face-to-face experience in the fire with God. After he has this experience, he takes the people out of Egypt, and then they're traveling, and as they're traveling, God comes and speaks to Moses and says, look, I want you to build me the Ark of the Covenant. And this is what he says. Let's see, let me break this down for you here. It actually starts in 25. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. And then he goes on to tell what the offerings are supposed to look like. One of them is oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense. And he goes on and says, and then he says, there's a, um, it says, ox stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That was the whole purpose of the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant was to make a sanctuary. He says, I got to do it in a physical way. I got to come and show the people physically what it's supposed to look like. I got to give them a demonstration of what it's supposed to look like, that every little single piece represented something of the Spirit of God, what he was trying to show the people at the time. And it was deep. It wasn't this quick thing. There was a process in you entering the Ark of the Covenant. You couldn't just say, oh, that looks like a cool place. I just want to step in there. No, it was a process. It was the washing of the hands. It was a whole step process you had to go through. And recently, the Lord was, was talking to me about this. And the Lord's been telling me recently, he says, you know, everybody wants something so quick in my presence, in me. Everybody wants the microwave Jesus to hurry up and give me some revelation, hurry up and let me hear your voice, hurry up and let me have something, when really it was supposed to be a process that you go through. It's a waiting upon. It's a sitting in front of the Lord and waiting for him to come and reveal things to you. That's what he was trying to do, the Ark of the Covenant. He's like, look, I'm going to build you a sanctuary And according to all that, I will show you that the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. He says, I'm going to make it for you in the natural for now. This was a for now. This was a season they went through. 
Some of us have gone through seasons in the past, and God's given us patterns at that time. God is breaking old patterns because he's going to give us new patterns. Let me show you how he's doing this. They had the, the Ark of the Covenant for a really long time. And they traveled with it. And it was work. Every time the Ark of the Covenant had to move, it was work. I can't even imagine the miles in the hot sun of walking, taking everything up, rebuilding it all over again, setting everything in its place just to come into the sanctuary to be with the Father all over again. And the Lord is giving that demonstration. He says, look, wait. He says, there's something more coming. That's what they call the old covenant. That's what the old covenant looked like. Okay? I was reading this the other day, and it really ministered to me. Um, it says, it says this, you know, this, this evangelist wrote this, a very well-known evangelist. He was a Methodist. He says, I remember the morning I was converted. My heart was bursting to tell what Jesus had done for me. It is no, no, it is no use to try to keep him in when you have found Christ. Tell the sun to stop shining. Tell the mighty rivers to stop flowing. Tell the wind to stop blowing and tell the birds to stop singing. Tell the angels in high in heaven to stop shouting of hallelujah. It is no good to tell Christians to be quiet. Well, they can't. That is all. And if you're quiet, it is because you're not a Christian. If you have anything to talk about, it will come out. And that ministered to me so much because the old covenant, it was a demonstration of what was to come. It was, it was a fire. You know, the people of Israel in this time, they, they knew the glory and they categorized the glory by the fire. That's how they knew the glory of the Lord had shown up because the fire would show up. Every time the fire showed up, they knew the glory of God was in their midst. And so, so when we get saved and we come to know the Lord as believers, there's a fire that gets put inside of us, in our bellies. We've become the Ark of the Covenant. We've become the fire that dwells inside of us. We've stepped on to the new thing God has. And the new thing that he has Oh, it's so good. The new covenant is, was a covenant between God and the followers of Jesus Christ. Malachi talks about Jesus coming. He was a prophet. He comes and he tells this. He says, the son of righteousness. So this is in Malachi 4.2. It says, the son of righteousness shall arise with heading into his wings, and you shall go out and grow Grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do. This says the Lord of hosts. This is something that Malachi began to see. He began to see past the grazing altar. He went past the veil, began to get some revelation, began to see some things, and 
he brings it to pass. If you continue reading on 4-6, let's turn there real quick because the Lord was showing me this this morning. We're going to turn to Malachi 4.6. If you go on to read 4.6, it says, And he will turn the hearts of the father to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And some of you are like, well, I never had a dad. I never had a father. How, do, how can I even comprehend that? How can, I, how can I ingest that? How can I process that? And the Lord's like, I'm your father. I'm your father. I'm the one that you come to. And then it says, and then, and then I'm, I'm reading, right? That whole thing about turning the hearts of the fathers, of the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers is to understand that we are not orphans. When you're in an orphan mindset, you cannot perceive the covenant of his love. You can't. Because in an orphan mindset, you're always trying to prove something to somebody else of capability of you doing something. You're always trying to work really hard like the people did of the old covenant and work really hard carrying some things, moving some things in the natural, doing a do-to-get mentality of the old covenant, of the ark of the covenant. And it worked for them during that season because they had no idea what was to come at the time. But now we're stepping into the new covenant, the covenant of his love. And Malachi sees this in the spirit, begins to talk about it, prophesy of what was to come. And he says, look, I'm telling you, he's coming to match the father's hearts with the children and the children with the father's heart. Why? Because he wants you to know you're not an orphan. You're not abandoned. You're not rejected. You don't have to go about looking for things. It says if you have an orphan heart, you will one day. It says, it says let me start here because I, I have written some things here. It says, they, it says, it says why do leaders self-destruct? Why do athletes, actors, rock stars, politicians, such a specific level then blow apart in the penthouse? Why do people who have fame and money and power act so miserably? Think about this. They have this need of affirmation that cannot be described. It drives them to insanity. The vulture preys on our soul, despairs like a black hole that sucks up the meaning of life, and it works in some of you. You have the marks of an orphan and a meaning of life that it is at work in some of you. And it says, it says you have the marks of the orphan in an orphanage. You constantly question why people love you. When somebody gives you an opportunity, you wonder why you won't take it. Why? Because you think you're going to fail and you're not going to make it. I see that in a lot of people around me. They won't attempt to step into the more. Pete was talking about this morning. They won't attempt to step out of their box 
out of their comfort zone because of failure to fail because they still see themselves as an orphan. And God has given us a new covenant of love that we don't have to fear anymore. We don't have to have a mindset of a do-to-get mentality. Oh, if I do this more, if I do that more, oh, let me just keep doing this more so everybody can see. And, and you know, it's sad. I go around traveling. I see people, they're running around behind the leaders and the pastors. Not that it's a bad thing. But when the motive in the heart is for you to get praise, for you to be recognized, then you're still an orphan. You're still with the orphan mindset, the do-to-get mentality. You're still at the Ark of the Covenant. And God's like, no, I've given you a covenant of love. I've, I've brought you from that place to a now time of conversion. So that way you can understand what it's supposed to look like. In John 14, 18, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What does it look like when you don't want to be an orphan anymore? You allow the Lord to come to you, to come in and restore and heal you in areas where you've been rejected, where people have hurt you. And he brings in restoration in that covenant of love. And he comes in and he heals those areas. But you have to let him come to you. I'm not talking about just reading your word. I'm talking about spiritually coming to you in the new covenant. I'm talking about you sitting there, you letting him come with Holy Spirit and coming in your soul and mending and healing some deep roots and some deep things to let you understand what the covenant of love is really supposed to look like. And many of us, we want it quick. We don't want to sit there and wait. We don't want to sit there and simmer in the presence. We want it quick. Jesus loves each and every one of us. This is what the covenant of love is supposed to look like for this season for all of us. Let me tell you. It says in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. He's not waiting for you to do something to receive his love. He's not waiting for you to change your life 100% and do nothing but good so you can receive his love. Even while you were a sinner, he loved you. The love is always there. It never leaves you. It wasn't this thing that you had to beg or plead God for. It wasn't one of these things that you had to say, man, Lord, you know, now that I'm doing good and you see that I'm doing good, now that you see that I've changed some things in my life, now come in and give me your love. And God's like, no, the love has already been there. You just didn't know it. You didn't discover it. You hadn't felt it. You didn't allow me to come in and show you that covenant of love that I have for you. You put up walls. You shut doors to me. But that love's always been there. Then it says in 1 John 4, 19, it says, We love because he loves us first. He loved you first before you even discovered who he was, before you knew of what he meant to you in your life. Every, each and every one of us had to do a self-discovering of his love for us. 
You could have read it a million times, and there was one day that something clicked open inside of you, that you were like, I get it now. I get that you love me. I can feel and I can see the love that you have for me, that you've never given up on me, that you've come chasing after me, pursuing after me, and you've never stopped. The pursuing after you has always been there. Even when you didn't want it, even when you wanted to throw a fit like a kid and said, man, I just don't want to do Jesus right now, he's still pursuing you. John 3, 16, everybody knows this verse. Some people have tattoos of it on their body. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We should be full of life, not death, not depression, not anxiety, not any of these things. We should be full of life. Not any of those things should represent us. 1 John 4, 16. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in, in, uh, in him, ab whoever abides in love, abides in God, and God abides in him. That sounds like a covenant of love, doesn't it? If you're abiding in him and him in you, and you have a love relationship with one another, that's part of the covenant of his love with you. I think the greatest thing when I got saved and I came to know the Lord was the minute that I felt his love. I was broken, and I was a mess, and I didn't know what was going to happen with my life. I didn't want to live anymore. But the minute that his love came over me like a blanket, and I literally felt a wrapping of his warm, embracing love around me, it changed me completely. Because then rejection had to leave because somebody cared about me. All that hurt had to leave because his love came and sealed every single part of my heart where I had been hurt and wounded. And all those things had to literally begin to leave me and they didn't have a choice because his blanket of love came in over me in such a way that everything else that was not of the Lord had no choice but to leave me. You know, I, I hear from, from intercessors and leaders of the time that they spend with the Lord. And I'm like, the time that we're spending with the Lord has to be an ever-changing thing inside of us. You can't be spending all this time with Jesus and all this time in your word and never be transformed and changed. If that's happening to you, there's something you're missing you're not embracing the covenant of his love. You're not. Because when you discover the covenant of his love and his promises that he's already spoken over your purpose and your destiny, then you look at things differently. Your vision begins to change and it begins to transition to his promises. Philippians 4.19, it says, 
And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I read that this morning and I was like, you know, God, that's so good. He's going to supply all of our needs. So why anxiety? Why worry? Why burdens? Why all these things? Why do we allow ourselves to get to that place? Because we don't understand his covenant, his promises. And it says there that he will supply our every needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The riches and glory that he's talking about is the fire that's inside of you. When you're on fire inside of you, in your spirit, when you continually have that fire and that drive inside of you, then he's going to supply all your needs because you're under, you're under the covenant of his love. And because he loves you, he's going to supply your needs. And because he, he knows you, he has a relationship with you, you have a love relationship, he knows what you need before you even ask or say it. Everybody was testifying about it this morning. Those are things you couldn't make happen. Those are things that were not in your power. Those are things that he had to come and do for you. In 2 Peter 1, 4, it says, By which he has granted to us his, his uh, precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. You've already escaped. You've already escaped all those things. Now it's time for you to embrace some things of the covenant of his love, that, that every great promise that he has is through them that may become partakers of divine nature. When he talks about divine nature there, he's talking about his nature. We, we need to start looking like him, sounding like him, walking like him. We need to have his nature. When you go out and you have a nature walk, like some people say, you're going out to, to see everything, right? You're going out to hear the sounds. You're going out to smell the trees and the flowers, and you're having yourself a little nature walk. And it's like God's saying this morning, some of us have to take a nature walk with him to know what he smells like to know what he sounds like, to know what he's speaking over us, he's rejoicing over us. That's what we were singing this morning, right? We have to take a nature walk with the Lord sometimes. Not just in the natural, but in the spirit. 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. Oh, that's like my favorite thing. It says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. You say yes to him every time he asks for you to do something. Every time he tells you do this or tells you to do that or be obedient to listen to my voice. I'm going to show you how to do this and do that. In your yes, it's in him. Your yes is in him. It's not in people around you. You're not saying yes to a congregation. You're not saying yes to leaders. You're saying yes to the Father. Your yeses are intertwined with him, nobody else. So when everybody fails around you, your spouse, your family, whoever's around you, when they fail you or they've done something unexpected that you didn't expect to have, then you grab onto the Lord and your promises are wrapped up in him with you saying yes to him, not a person. 
And so many times we miss out on our promises because we view our promises according to people and not according to God. I have nothing for anybody. My husband has nothing for anybody, but Jesus has everything for everybody. He has all the promises wrapped up in him. Who you're dependent on is the Lord, not people, not man. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. The righteous right hand is his authority. The right hand is always the, is, is authority. He's upholding your family. He's upholding you. He's upholding those things that you even let go of at times. God, I'm just going to let go of this because I don't know. I, I mean, you've done everything else for me, but I don't know about this one thing. And sometimes you let go of it, and God's like, I'm going to uphold it in my righteous hand. I'm going to uphold that thing. You may, you may have given up on some areas and some things, but I'm going to come with my hand and uphold those things in my righteousness, in right standings with God, that I'll hold those things for you, even when you want to give up on them and you want to let them go. He will hold them for you. John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. But, not, but it, says, it says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Romans 4.21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he has promised. How do you get convincing? You're like, I want to be convinced, God. I want to be convinced of your promises. Spend some time with him. Spend some time in the nature walks with him, getting to be more like him, sounding like him, walking like him. Get to know the Lord who you read about, who you sing about, who you, who you talk about to your friends sometimes when they're having a hard time. Get to know him, and then you'll be convinced. If the stories of the Ark of the Covenant, if the stories of the covenant of his love, all these stories you read in scripture have not convinced you yet, him being on the cross has not convinced you yet, then I don't know what will. Because the cross itself is such a powerful thing of convincing of his promises of what is to come. Grab on to that. I always tell everybody, find something to grab on to so you don't lose your footing. So you don't be dismayed like they were reading, we were reading earlier. Grab on to something. And you're like, well, what's the something? It's the something you're going to know. I can't tell you what your something is. But you always have to. I grab on to his garment, his garment of praise. Because when you begin to praise the Lord, no matter what's going on in your life, you won't lose your fitting, your, your footing. You won't be like moved around and get off the rock. You grab on to him. Joshua 23, 14, it says, And now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. You, 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 you. Even you that is watching. It says, 
It says, God promised concerning you, all have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Not one of his promises has failed. Maybe your view, your, your, uh, your way of thinking has made you think that it's failed, but it has not failed. Just because it doesn't look the way that we expect things to look like doesn't mean that the Lord failed us. His promise is still there. His prophetic words are still there, and he's faithful in them. In this transition from Moses, Joshua came. If there's anybody that, that had to hold on to something, that had to hold on to a promise was Joshua. Joshua, I would say, was the promise holder. It says, it says, it says in Joshua 1.5, it says, no one, this is the Lord talking to Joshua. And it says, no one will be able to stand against you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you all the days of your life. Not maybe, not sometimes, not, not when you're just doing good. Not when you've made good decisions. No, it's all the days of your life, broken, unbroken, through all the turmoil, through all, all those things that you go through in your life. Every day of your life, he is with you and he'll never forsake you. Joshua had to grow on and hold on to that promise. That was his, up, uh, his upholding. That was his righteousness that he had to grab onto. And he had to hold on to the promise of what God spoke to him about crossing over the river again. He had to grab onto that. He'd never swayed from that promise. He never swayed from the things that he was shown and the Lord had to come himself and speak to him. The Lord today is trying to speak to you. He is trying to say, I have a covenant of love with you that is more powerful, more greater than any disastrous thing you've ever been through in your life. Through every bad decision, through every bad situation that you think is just horribly bad, that you don't qualify for things, or you have an orphan spirit that you're fatherless, that's just a lie from the enemy. His covenant of love comes in and begins to wrap around you and uphold you in areas that you can't even uphold yourself. I was seeing some things this morning in the spirit and the Lord began to tell me um, just a few things and I just want to be obedient to release them because they're not only for the house here but they're they're for the body of Christ and the Lord began to show me that he was throwing arrows from this place out of here to hit the things of the enemy that we keep missing He's going to start throwing out the arrows, hitting those areas that we can't hit. But even in our prayer, even in our intercession, the, arrow, the arrows are being shot out and they're being, they're being sent out. So that way that there's no destruction over his children. That's the covenant of love. Why does he do that? He does that because he loves us. That he doesn't want any disaster at all. 
We were here Thursday night in worship in the Word. And I just began to see. I hadn't seen these angels since I was in Texas. Right before the Lord told us to move from Texas, I began to see this angel. Well, actually, these angels. And these angels that I began to see were the cherubim angels. Those are the two angels that they would put above the Ark of the Covenant. And their wings would literally come forward to protect the covenant, to protect the Ark of the Covenant. Those angels were here on Thursday night. The Lord showed them to me. And I began to see the angels and their wings come over this place, over the people here, a protection that the enemy had no way of coming in anymore. The Lord is at work on our behalf because of this covenant of love. I don't know about you, but when you love somebody, you'll do anything for them. You will, you will go after them. You will pursue them. You will do anything you can chasing after them because you love them and you don't give up on them. You keep on loving them. Man, when I'm away from my kids for just a little while, when I'm away or I feel distant from my kids, man, this thing rises up inside of me I can't even describe. And I, I was thinking about that this morning and I was like, God, I can't even imagine how the Lord feels. We're his kids when we haven't come to sit by him in the covenant of love, rest in him, spend time with him, relationship with him. And he loves us so very much, and we forget to spend time with him. I bet he feels like, oh, my God, those are my kids. I just want to spend time with them. I want to love on them. I want, I want them to know that they have a covenant with me that is unbreaking. It's powerful and it's unbreaking. There's nothing you can do to break that covenant ever. It doesn't matter the mistakes. It doesn't matter the bad There's nothing you can do to break that covenant of love. But we've got to let him in. We've got to let him in into the new covenant areas of our lives and not just speak to him at a distance but come up close to him. Be so close to him that when his love comes in the room, I was sitting there this morning just putting this stuff together, and I just began to feel the love of the Father walk in the room. And everything changed. My weariness, my tiredness, everything that was in my mind had to leave. It had no choice but to leave from that room when the love of the Father walked in the room. When he walked in the room this morning, all of my doubt, all of my worries, all of my burdens, everything had to leave the room at that moment. And it wasn't because of me. It was because of the love that he had for, that he has for me and for you. That even this morning, he wants to come in and, and have you let, let him come into you. Let him come so close to you that you become one with the Father this morning. That you're not an orphan. You don't have to go around trying to please everybody. You don't even have to try to please Jesus. You just have to come in receptive mode to the Lord to receive his covenant of his love. And when you sit there and his love comes in the door, you don't even want to move. 
You just want to soak it up like a sponge and say, man, this feels so good, Lord. And he's like, yeah, and you're worthy of it. You're my kid. Why would I hold back love from my kid, from my son, from my daughter? That's why you have to know who he is and his love for you. Because if you don't, you won't even allow yourself to receive love. I'm telling you, I was that person. I didn't know how to receive love. I didn't know how to receive blessings from people. When people would try to bless me, I didn't even know how to receive it because I was never taught that. And I had to come and I said, and the Lord began to speak to me. And he says, look, you got you to gotta begin to receive things. You got to open yourself up to me in such a way that you're going to receive my love. This is a love covenant, a love relationship. It can't just be me to you. It has to be you abiding in me and me abiding in you that we're going to walk this nature walk together in the cool of the day and I'm going to come in and touch you in such a way that you're going to be transformed and changed. Not that you're going to do it, but I'm going to do it in you. And because you love me, because you love me, all those other things that you did before, you're not going to want to do them anymore because you're so in love with me. And every time the enemy comes and tries to tempt you and tries to get you to think a certain way as an orphan or anything like that, you remember that love and say, man, my father loves me. He loves me so very much that I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to touch this. I don't want to be bitter in my heart. I don't want to be broken anymore. I just want his love to come in and consume me in such a way that it creates this fire that burns in me that when you pray when you when you when you're trying to to bless somebody else whatever it is God has you do it comes from a form of a covenant of love that's burning inside of you that was what it was about the ark of the covenant all of that was for a now time for us to see it differently for us to realize how deep his love is for us there is no measurement of his love. It doesn't stop pouring out. It comes in an overflow, his love, in such a way that sometimes you're like, have you ever met that person that is just like so cheerful and joyful and loving and you're like, oh my God, stop already. That's nothing compared to the love of the Father. That's nothing. I've been in a bad place sometimes, and I'll have somebody come in and do something in a loving way, and I can feel the heart of the Father. And I'm like, man, God, I know you sent that person. I know that that love came to that person. They didn't even realize that love was flowing out of them. They just did it because they felt that was the right thing to do. Love comes in different directions. But you have to allow it to come in and seep over you, seep in you, seep around you. You have, to, it's not about you anymore. It's about him. You and him together in a love relationship that is so, so deep. There are not words to describe the love that he has for each and every one of you. There's nothing you can do to gain more love. It's already there. You just have to agree and believe that it's there and say, God, this season, I just step into your covenant of love. That un 
breaking covenant of your love that you love me and I love you and my growth and everything around me has to come in submission of heaven because of this love relationship that when me and you walk into a room that others begin to feel that love that others begin to embrace your goodness through your love and then the fire comes out of that love because when you love something you burn after it and it comes from a place of being in love with Jesus and it's not because of something good you did with your hands or something you said with your mouth it becomes you it's an all-consuming fire of his love that comes and consumes you and when you walk and you do anything for him it, it begins to release to others around you let his love come into this morning to your heart. Let him heal your heart. Let him show you the new covenant of his love. That every beating, that every slaying, every part that he went through was because he loved you. All the beatings that he took was so that way you wouldn't have to beat up on yourself. Quit beating up on yourself. Quit being hard on yourself. You're never going to be perfect. But in his love, it becomes perfection. When his love comes in and wraps around you, you become perfect because of his love. This is not a do-to-get love relationship. This is a covenant. This is a promise. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always going to be there with you. I'm totally head over heels in love with you. Look, God's speaking to you this morning. Close your eyes. Begin to receive. I am head over heels with you. I will never leave you. I will never, ever forsake you. You are my son. You are my daughter. There's nothing you can do that will make me more proud of you or love you more. It's already been done. I already love you. I already want to embrace you. I'm already excited when you wake up in the morning. I'm already excited to see you. You don't have to go do anything for this excitement to rise up in me. You're part of me. We're abiding in one another. I'm abiding in you. You're abiding in me. Horoboshiti. Oh, I just see these blankets of love coming in this morning. He's coming in to seal the gaps this morning. If you have hurt in your heart, he's coming in to seal that hurt and mend it and heal it this morning. If you've been in a do-to-get mentality, he's coming to remove that. That religious mindset, that orphan spirit, he's coming to remove it right now. This is not a do-to-get relationship. This is, it's already been done and it's finished. And now let's walk together. Let's walk in relationship. My promise is already arrived. 
Just breathe him in this morning. Do an exchange with him. Give him everything you've been holding on to. Those that are viewing online, I just pray for you right now that the love of the Father would come in and can consume you this morning. That you would be ever so changed by the touch of his love. His garment of his love would wrap around you this morning and you would be transformed and changed to know who you serve has a covenant and a promise with you of never leaving you, never leaving your side, always being faithful to you. We just speak blessings over you. We speak the heart of the Father just come over you. You're not an orphan anymore. The Lord is removing those things and he's giving you a new day today. He's giving you a covenant of his love, a promise of his love forevermore in your life. We just thank you right now, God. We pour it over them, Lord. Like an endless outpouring of a cup, Lord. You pour it over them. Just thank you, Father. Just thank you, Lord. 